Back to pardon my franchise, a podcast about how many of those movies did they make about that thing? That's weird. We're back with episode two of our Romeroverse season with Dawn of the Dead. I'm joined by Autumn. Hi, and I'm Nora. Hi. Yeah. Um. So we watched this last night. More like Dawn of the Mid. <laughs> yeah, it's no Night of the Living Dead. Also, how come it's not Dawn of the Living Dead? I guess it's because because the other one is Return of the Living Dead, and so they're separate. I just feel like Dawn of the Dead sounds better sounds better on the tongue than Dawn of the Living Dead. Yeah, but this movie was pretty lifeless, so maybe that would have fixed it. <laughs> um. Okay, so some context for what this movie is. And for what we are. For one thing, I woke up about ten minutes ago. Yeah. I woke up about an hour ago. I read some bad tweets. I was kind of kind of in a bad mood this morning. I made a cup of coffee and a sandwich, and now I feel good. And then I thought about Dawn of the Dead, and I was like, ah, that movie kind of sucks. I don't know about that. That's a, that's a little harsh. Okay, so that's context for us. Context for this movie. Released in 1978, co-produced by an Italian production company. Um, heavily involved, as I learned in the production of this movie, is Dario Argento, one of the uh premier um italian horror directors of the 70s most famous for suspiria which we've covered on ornate stairwells if people want to go listen to my thoughts on suspiria um uh this movie like argento is so involved in this that there are two cuts of this movie there's the italian cut of this movie which has a goblin soundtrack and if you know argento's movies you know what that means and if you don't know what that it means a bunch of guys going <laughs> You're not that oh, far. God, you're not that far from wrong. <laughs> Goblin is a Italian prog rock. I don't know if they're Italian. I just know that they worked with Italian guys a lot. But maybe they're a bunch of Norwegians or something. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, Goblin. Um, it's on this page. Why are you just? <laughs> um, I just don't know why you're opening another tab to find this. Oh, Italian prog rock band. Um, like so famous for their film scores that they've done 
many concerts where they just performed Suspiria live or they performed the um, like various soundtracks they've done live. That's what they're famous for. So there's an Italian cut of this movie that I'd be interested in seeing that has a Goblin soundtrack. I'm, if I'm not mistaken... Interesting um, enough. Yeah. They also worked on the Italian version of... Z- Zombie? The... Yeah. Oh, thing I learned. Zombie is the Italian version of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, okay. Yes. I think in the last film, or in the last episode, I said that Zombie was the Italian version of Night of the Living Dead. Zombie is the Italian version of Dawn of the Dead. That makes a little more sense. Yeah. So, um, that's the Italian version. What we watched is the, um, I believe, the American version, the theatrical cut. There's a bunch of different cuts of this movie that are floating around out there. But what we watched, I believe, is the American version um, that Romero edited that has um, a soundtrack that came from a library, much like the first movie. So, like, you know, the equivalent of having Kevin MacLeod score your movie. But not Kevin MacLeod, because I don't think he was working in the 1970s. (laughs) He might have been born in the 70s. I would believe that. He might be a little younger than that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Shout-outs to Kevin MacLeod. One of the true heroes of the internet. Um... Gonna take a sip of my coffee. Would you like to tell me the plot of Dawn of the Dead? Before I do, I will just also say, because we've we've come out swinging on how we don't really, I don't really care for this movie. I think you're a little more positive on it than I am, but I don't think you loved it. Um, this is one this movie was a massive hit just like the first movie was this is a this is a considerably larger hit this budget Uh, (laughs) budget 640,000 box office 66 million this movie was a massive success both both in the u.s and abroad um and in the like the european market primarily um and two this movie is beloved you know sometimes you get a movie that's like a big hit and like Avatar, you know, five years later, there's a big cultural, like, shift on, oh, Avatar sucked. That This movie does not have this. This is one of the bo- most beloved horror movies ever made. If you, re- if you go Google any list of, you know, top 25 horror movies, this is going to be on the list. People lose their shit for this movie. So, with all that said, did you try to do a plot summary? You want to do a plot summary since I just talked a bunch? Uh, okay. So the, the, the ghouls happen. Yeah. Everyone's freaking out. Mm-hmm. We see some weird... There's a truck outside. Uh, we see some SWAT guys. We don't open on the SWAT guys. I here. know. Okay. We start with the news people. Yeah. And they're, you know, watching things break down i guess yeah we see like a tv station that's about to go off the air because the government is gonna just take all this shit over and then we hard cut to the swat guys hard cut (laughs) um i guess the wikipedia is making more clear what's going on there than the movie did we eventually uh, they, are, they are raiding a low-income housing project whose mostly African American and Latino tenants are defying the martial law of delivering their dead to the National Guard. 
That was not... I okay. Felt, I felt that was not made clear, but maybe I just wasn't paying attention. So what? I think what we thought was happening last night, which is not that far off... Okay. I could not understand... This is like a 10-minute sequence. For about five of those, I didn't really understand what was happening. But what I thought was happening was that, like, they're supposed to bring all these people to a safe house, and... As they say multiple times, you're no longer allowed to reside in, like, a residential... Yeah. Whatever, residence. <laughs> yeah, and so I thought they were supposed to be bringing um, these people to a safe house, and we're doing it, like... And because these are cops and because society is breaking down, they're sort of showing their true nature is like, oh, we just want to kill black and brown people, you know. Um, but like their their stated goal is we're supposed to bring this bring these people to a safe house and they're what they were actually doing is, oh, let's just use this as an excuse to go, you know, do violence do racial violence. I guess they are trying to get to the the ghoul room. Okay. Um, I guess that makes more sense. It's still obviously the other thing because we have Wooly. Yeah, yeah. Dropping slurs instantly the yeah. moment he's on screen, ready to just shoot everybody. His second line is the N word. Um, his first line, his first two lines have weird emphasis on the, the phrase Puerto Rican. Yeah, you know how you can like <laughs> you can say a word that's like normal, but you you put it in a racist mouth and like you just say the word Puerto Rican or the words Puerto Rican racistly. That's Wooly. <laughs> he starts just. I mean, people bust out of the roof entrance and start shooting. Which I guess they're trying to protect their dead. Or just protect their homes. I think a lot yeah. of these people just don't want to be evicted from their home. I think a lot of these... Toward the end of this movie, we're going to get Peter being like, I don't want to leave the mall. I've made a... You know, I live here. Um, I guess... And I think these people, in some ways, are sort of the same. Like, listen, I know there's fucking zombies. This is my home. You're not kicking me out of here. Yeah. Um, they don't care. Yeah. They shoot some folks... Wooly really goes on a on a tear. Um, he's just kicking down doors to shoot brown people. Like that's yeah. all he's doing. You know, he sucks. Uh, he just gets shot by another guy. Yeah, uh, another guy who turns out to be our protagonist, Peter. Peter is not named for another eight minutes until the end of this section of the film. Yeah, <laughs> he does not introduce himself. But later on, when they hop in the into the helicopter. Uh, Flyboy does say his name's Peter, or the, the maybe it's the Roger uh, Trooper. Oh, Roger, also a character who we get to know in this sequence, but is not named. There's a lot of like this this sequence of the movie that just did, straight up did not make sense to me. Because he's the guy who's super calm. He's mm -hmm. like, okay, now talking to the new guy. When we go in, don't don't pop off. Yeah, and then that new guy dies instantly. Yeah, before the stuff even starts. Yeah. And so he's the calm guy who's going to, like, weather the storm. He tries to stop Wooly from busting down a door. Uh, and then Peter shoots the guy. Mm -hmm. Peter uh, is our new protagonist, I think, is safe to say. Yes. Uh, also important to note that of the four main cast members, we'll 
We've been introduced to the other two, but they haven't really mattered yet. <laughs> of our four main protagonists, Peter is black, the other three are white. That will matter less than it does in the last movie, but it matters. Peter and uh, Roger go to the basement. Uh, they, they get told about the ghouls by a priest. Mm-hmm. They go down, they take them all out. Then yeah. they meet up with our other two protagonists, who are named... Stephen and Fran. Oh. Um, I did not remember that. Roger just knows them somehow. He's like buddies with Stephen or something. Um, and Stephen ha- ha- is... Owns a helicopter? He steals has, the traffic... Has... Stephen okay. is the traffic reporter... And steals the traffic helicopter. Okay, yeah. We were eventually able to piece together, oh, I bet he knows how to fly the traffic copter. And there's a point where it is implied that he has stolen the traffic copter, but I wasn't 100% sure that's what was happening there. Um, And there's a little bit of conversation here about, like, you know, Peter and Roger, they're um, National Guard guys. They sort of see themselves as having, like, a duty to to like stick with the national guard and do civic service but eventually decide nah let's just you know look out for ourselves and fly off in these helicopter basically um they hop from place to place picking up some gas here and there almost getting shot by each other mm-hmm. um one of the one of the better scenes in this movie is um like steven points a gun at a zombie but very easily could have hit peter um and you know, then Peter jumps out of the way, and then once the conflict is resolved, like, Peter comes up and, like, points a gun at Steven's face. He's like, hey, this sucks, doesn't it? Scary, isn't Yeah. It? <laughs> Fucking scary to have a gun pointed at you. Dipshit. Don't do that. <laughs> he clearly, um... Like, we, we could tell that Roger and Peter were, like... They were, like, swamp guys, obviously, but it was, like... We were pretty sure that they were Vietnam people. Yes. They're, they... They... Um, they definitely evoke that imagery, and then late in the movie it is confirmed that at the very least Roger was a Vietnam guy, and I'm yeah. fairly certain that Peter was a Vietnam it makes, guy. It would make sense. Steven, on the other hand... Clearly not has not been in the military. <laughs> like, I, I think, knowing this movie comes out in 78, I think the sort of, like, cultural shorthand that, a, that an audience member in 78 could have assumed, and then it took us a little effort to piece together, Roger and Peter are Vietnam vets... Probably were drafted. Um, and uh, Stephen either like was in university and didn't have to go to the war, or maybe like was an enlisted man who learned how to fly a helicopter and then didn't actually have to like see any action, you know? Like at most. That is like, I don't think he was involved in the military at all because he doesn't seem to really know how to shoot. But if he was, he probably learned some specialized skill and was like, you know, on an army base in Germany for six months or something. You know, I, d- I doubt that much. He seems to just be a slightly more wealthy than other than the rest of them. Yeah. And has avoided that kind of responsibility. Yes. And throughout these early parts of this movie, because of that, we see him. This is a little more like analysis than I guess plot summary. But like I, we see him emasculated a bunch. Peter and Roger instantly like within minutes are just like broing down to the max they're just boyfriends 
Um, and Steven very much like is excluded from that. And part of his exclusion from that is like ways he, in which he is emasculated. You know, he tries taking a shot at a zombie and Roger like shoves his gun out of the way, like lines up a shot, gets it in the head at one time, you know? He doesn't have any of the skills that they do. Yeah. The skill he has is piloting the chopper. Yeah, so they need him, and, but they don't and like frowning. him. He's very good at frowning. Oh, he's so good at frowning. <laughs> he looks like the second guy from Lonely Island. <laughs> um, Fran is here. She's a woman. They keep going, and eventually they find an abandoned shopping mall. Mm-hmm. But... It's the 70s, so there has to be a line explaining what a shopping mall is in case, you know, you're one of the you're one of the Italian viewers or you're one of the like you just live in like Arkansas and you you're seeing this movie and you're like what the fuck's that? <laughs> um I lost what I was going to say. Go to the shopping mall. Land on the roof. Sorry. I I interrupted you. I apologize. Um they find a shopping mall and because the next 50 years of zombie movies haven't happened yet the the show and because um romero just knew a guy who owned this mall and wanted to film here uh the the mall is untouched it has people (laughs) in it but it's not like fucked up yeah it's just the lights are all turned off yeah so they take it over they build a wall to block off an entrance to the roof so that mm-hmm. if somebody did come in they wouldn't even know that you know that little safe area that they live in mm-hmm. is there they eventually clear out all of the ghouls in the mall and mm-hmm. stockpile their supplies and they park trucks in front of the door so that no more zombies can get in and uh in doing that Roger gets chomped. Roger does get chomped here. That's not that important. Um, But they get to just chill out and enjoy themselves a little bit. And then Roger dies because of his bites. Mm -hmm. Um, It just eventually just kills you. Yep. Uh, They do say, I think, in a TV segment that... It's a virus? Yeah. Venus, not mentioned in this film. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. Um, And it does have kind of um, Walking Dead rules, I guess. Yeah, kind of. If you die and you don't have any contact with a zombie, you'll still be zombified. Yeah. Ghouled. Mm. ghouled. You'll be grabbed by the ghoulies. You will be grabbed by the ghoulies. Um, So... Peter takes care of him. Um, and everything is fine. There's a bit there where the three of them are in the mall just living and hating each other. Months well, pass. Oh, Fr- Fran is pregnant. We forgot to mention that. Fran is pregnant, and she's also upset that she keeps getting excluded from stuff. So, Stephen and Fran just have like a big, not big, but very long domestic cold war i guess yeah and but and peter is just there hating that he has to stuck peter's with these people ju- peter's just kind of stuck with these people and kind of st- taking care of mo- most of the like 
survivalist things in this little time space. But Steven is getting better with gun. Fran is being taught how to fly helicopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's fine. And then a different movie starts playing. <laughs> Mad Max shows up. There's a there's a bu- evil biker gang. I love an evil biker gang. And they do fuck around on the radio a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then they raid the shopping mall. They try to hide. And... Uh, Steven gets really possessive of, like, you can't fuck with my shopping mall. This is my shopping mall. Um, And starts shooting at the bikers. Whereas I think they probably could have just hid from the bikers for a while. Or at the very least, like, you know. They knew they were there, but they were not going to find that wall. They were not going to find that wall. Or alternatively, like, you know, Steven and Peter could have, like, posted up in that one stairway. And just shot at the bikers from up above and been fine. But Steven is like, this is my shopping mall. You can't you can't get in my shopping mall. Pop, pop, pop. And, you know, shit goes bad. The biker gang lets in a bunch of ghouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually are defeated by the ghouls as they try to just grab valuables and leave. Um, this also catches Steven, who is mobbed by ghouls and dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter considers for a moment going back to save Steven, but also... Definitely got bit. So it's kind of over for him. Because mm-hmm. it seems like that does kill you eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they start packing up into the helicopter. And the ghoul version of uh, Steven leads the zombies into the secret room. Because the thing that's been established is um, that... The reason the zombies are in the mall, and this is like the quote-unquote social commentary. We can unpack that. But the, the social commentary is, like, oh, look, in life, they were always at the mall. They were always just shopping, being consumers. And now they're dead, and they're mindlessly wandering the mall, sort of replicating actions that they did in life. This is the thing that's repeatedly established, is that the zombies just kind of repeat stuff they do in life. And so then Steven, when he's zombified, goes up into the safe house because... Um, he sort of has a like instinctual memory of like, oh yeah, here's where the wall is. Here's where the people are, you know. And there's a moment where we think we're going to get one ending, where Peter shoots himself and Fran escapes with the helicopter. Instead, he decide he pull- takes the gun away from his head and starts shooting zombies with it. Ghouls, sorry. Um, and then he escapes with her, and then they fly off into the sunset, and the movie ends, I guess. It's a better ending than he kills himself. Yeah. I don't think it's, like, a great ending. (laughs) But I just don't... I don't think this is a great movie. It's fine. Uh... There's nothing that this movie does that I don't think the first movie did ten times better. I guess you could say the consumer angle, but it's not a very strong angle. It's just said out loud. Yeah. And it's not, I don't really, I didn't really feel like it connected that well. Yeah, I didn't feel like people go to the mall. Women be shopping. It's an important place for them, they say. And it's like, yeah, that's like a social hub. Yeah. For the time. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's... It's like... I think it is like a fundamentally like conservative criticism because it's not like thinking about like why do these people go to the mall? It's just these people go to the mall. Isn't that dumb? People hang out at the mall. Yeah, it's like you say it's a it's a social thing. All my experiences going to the mall when I was young was not actually about shopping. It was, hey, we're 15 we need a way to spend the afternoon. Let's have someone drop us off at the mall and just hang out there, you know? Um, or we're 17, let's drive to the mall and let's hang out there. It wasn't really about the the consumption. It's also like, you know, I look at a mall and I'm like, ah, people, you know, people built this. Capitalists built this because they want to centralize consumption and sort of make consumption a totalizing thing, not... Oh, individuals arrived at the mall. Someone put the mall there. You know, it's not like individual action, like, creates the mall. It's, it's like, you know, corporate interests that create the mall that then, like, serves a role in American life. <laughs> and so I just think, like, pointing your finger at how dumb people are for going shopping is stupid. <laughs> I think that... The scope, or like the vision of the movie is too small because it's like, well, if the premise that you're proposing did happen, way more people would be in other places. Like, they wouldn't just flock to stores if they were going to do things they remembered. A lot of them would go to church, for yeah. one thing. Yeah. That would be like a more, like, that would feel like a more potent metaphor, I guess, than... The, like, going to the mall thing, because you could easily turn that into, look at these people. They were never, like, really alive before because they were so focused on the next life. Mm. Now their bodies still come here, even though they've left. You could do that. You could do something with that. That would be interesting in a way that people be shopping just is not interesting. And I, I think you're absolutely right that the vision is very small, but the the scope, I think, what this movie is like, like, the vision is very small. Like, the thing it actually says is very narrow, but, like, the movie tries to take in all this stuff in the, in the opening minutes and peppered in throughout the movie. You get this racial stuff. You get, like, you know, Peter in the basement of that apartment building... He's, like, shooting all these black and brown people who have become zombified, and he's clearly troubled by this. I don't think a lot is... I, you know, I think some stuff is said in that moment, but but it's... I think if we are... I guess, like, stuff is said in that moment. Stuff is said... Gen- some various gender dynamics happen around Fran. And some, like... There's some consumer stuff. There's a lot of social issues that are taken up in this movie, but I don't think there's like... I I don't think they all connect together in a very interesting way. And I don't think that they, like, ultimately save them that much other than, isn't this fucked up? You know? I was thinking about the scene where Peter shoots all of the people in the basement and thinking about, like, well, if he is 
a Vietnam vet, he might have shot a lot of, you know, non-white people before. Mm -hmm. But I don't really think that the movie pulls on that explicitly because we are only assuming that he's been in a war. Yeah. And, like, that could also be something that you could say. Well, and we don't... And it's not said. And we don't know how... We don't know how he felt about the Viet his experiences in Vietnam. If he had them. If he had them. I can sort of I can sort of think about like things that black activists said in the seventies about the Vietnam War and think, well maybe Peter felt this way. But I can also think of like, you know, totally opposite things that other black activists said and think, Oh, well, maybe you can look Peter at thought that. You can watch Roger's Ark in this movie and understand how he's coping with that. Yeah. And he is very calm and cool and keeps it all under control until it gets just a little too dangerous. And yeah. then he, like, starts losing his grip. And he, like, slowly... He slowly becomes, like, cowboy-moded. <laughs> and, and more manic. Yeah. Um, it, clearly, like, he is not actually coping with some of the stresses that he's had. But he's, like, keeping it suppressed. And mm -hmm. now at the at the end of his life, when he knows that that's coming to a close, he's kind of losing his ability to to keep that facade. Um, I like that character a lot. I th yeah, I thought I liked that character, and I thought that the Peter and him just being bros was the best part of this movie. I just thought that those two actors, I did not care for the cast. A big part of the thing that I don't like about this movie is that I thought the cast fell really flat for me. However, those two together had a good dynamic. I don't I didn't necessarily like either of them individually too much, but the two of them playing off of each other I thought was really fun. And and then at about the midway point, we just threw that dynamic out completely and there's a, you know, poignant scene of burying Peter but I do, I just didn't like. I I thought After that end is when we get the shot of the three of them sitting down to dinner in silence, and then like, yeah, that's that's another. She tells she tells Stephen to turn off the TV. And mm -hmm. he's like, they might start broadcasting again, and he comes to sit down at the table. She, there's a beat, and she slowly gets up, walks over, turns off the TV, comes back to the table. There's a beat. He stands up, walks over to the TV, turns it back on, mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, movie happening. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a really good scene. Then uh, Mad Max happens. Yeah, and then like, <laughs> I was like, like within uh, the, I think two minutes of that scene, yeah. Mad Max happens. And I was like, oh, the last 30 minutes of this movie are just going to be about these people living here and slowly starting to hate each other. That's interesting. That's like sort of a twist on what the first movie, a direction the first movie could have gone. If all these people lived through that night in the first movie, what happens like three months later when they're all still just stuck in this cellar and they hate each other or whatever it is, you know? And they just, it, they just, these people are put together by circumstance, but they don't actually get along. And I thought that's what the movie was going to do is just be this weird domestic movie for the last stretch. And then Mad Max shows up and I was like, well, I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> this is where all of the really 
good like special effects about like biting into fake people and like pulling flesh apart and all that happens in the biker stuff but the, i don't the, care about bikers i don't care about like, bikers what is this doing here the the movie has a tone problem i think i feel like if i want to watch a ghoul movie i kind of want to watch a group of guys interact with each other and the world while this is happening i don't necessarily want mad max road gang to show up at the end if that's what that movie is going to be about i would kind of rather that be at the front of the movie yeah not just in the last 20 minutes because like it kind of just comes out of nowhere and i don't really know why it happens and i don't it doesn't feel congruous with the rest of the movie but also the main movie doesn't feel that congruous in and of itself yeah the, the, uh, maybe I just don't care for the editing style of these films. I don't know who's necessarily... Oh, Romero is yeah, behind that. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if I still have these same complaints in the next movie. The The movie has a tone problem because, like, you get the, the scene in the apartment building at the start. Very dark. Very, like, straight-laced. Like, let's look at the ills of American society. The, like, you know... All that sort of stuff. You get the, like, the first scene in the TV station. You get the one guy being like, oh, we can't go off the air. uh, Or we can't take down the list of, in the TV station, Fran is like, hey, we've been broadcasting a list of rescue stations that are no longer in operation. We need to take that off the air because we're going to send people to their deaths if we set, we're going to send them into zombie nests, right? So Fran says we got to take that off the air. Her boss comes in and is like, we got to keep that on the air because if we don't have that on the air, no one's going to watch. We're not going to get the ad dollars or whatever, you know? I thought that was like a really good, like, ooh, that's like bleak in a dark comedy way. And it sort of ties in kind of okay to the to the next part. And then the other stuff that I found interesting in this movie was like, weird domestic drama that doesn't really fit into those two things I just talked about. And, like, what the majority of the movie is is, like, kind of a goofy romp action movie that can sometimes have a horror twist to it as, like, they're going, running around the mall getting supplies and stuff. And then, like, the Mad Max bikers show up and it's, like, total goofball comedy for five minutes until, like, Steven gets killed and then it gets dark. And Peter's gonna kill himself, and it gets the, dark. The guy gets himself killed because he sits down into the fucking blood pressure cuff. And that's fun. literally that's literally you cut from ooh dark sad scene as Stephen gets eaten to haha one of the bikers is playing around with a blood pressure cuff because he thinks it's fun and he gets eaten and that's just a haha joke. He just sits down while he's surrounded by ghouls and then he gets eaten. Like what the fuck is this? And I don't like there are movies that can that can manage this there are movies that can cut back and forth from the dark and serious to the funny but this movie just doesn't do it you know the movie just feels lifeless like we said at the top and and i you know this this movie the version we watched there are longer cuts of this movie there might be shorter cuts but um the version we watched is 126 minutes. It's the longer of the two main It's cuts. the longer of the two. I would be interested in seeing the Italian cut, if only for the soundtrack at this point. I but, guess so. Um, 
not I I don't care enough to rewatch this movie. <laughs> um, not right now. Not right now. Maybe one of these days. Um, but the the last movie was like a tight ninety. It had um the 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 social commentary is highly concentrated around um the one lead actor whose name I'm forgetting now. Um, and like his race and how that interplays with the other, the rest of the white cast, you know, and there's like a really good, this is how I feel. And this is like, I reading what other people have written about night of the living dead, watching like interviews with various filmmakers talking about how night of the living dead influenced them. Um, there's a good little featurette on the criterion channel that's interviews with Robert Rodriguez and Guillermo del Toro talking about night of the living dead. It's something they both say is, like, Night of the Living Dead has a strong story at the core of it. There's, like, all this horror stuff. There's all this, like, you know, really interesting, like, tone stuff or aesthetic stuff or filmmaking things. But at the core is a really good story. And this movie, I feel like, doesn't have that. This movie doesn't have, like, I care about what happens to Peter, you know? I feel like this movie just gets, like, when this when they get to the mall, which was way later in the movie than I thought it would be, the, the beginning part is about, like, sneaking around and getting supplies, and then eventually, once they get armed enough, they start mowing down the ghouls and everything. And then they have their gallivanting phase, where they get to go through the mall and pretend to buy things, or, like, steal all the money, or, like, you know indulge in all of the material goods and pleasures of the mall, I would have expected that to be the start of the mall chapter, and then the zombies, that threat grows over time. Yeah. In part because they become lax due to, like, their luxuries they get to have. But instead, that doesn't happen. They just get to live in this mall and be safe. Until an evil biker gang shows up, which I think is a much less interesting, like, evolution of the premise. Yeah. And, like, I guess... I just wasn't that interested in the way that this movie executed itself. I'm interested yeah. to see the Snyder version, actually. <laughs> Me too! Yeah. First of all, the Snyder version, if I'm not mistaken, an hour 40... Um, I can double check that if you want, but I I think that's what I read. Um, yeah, no, that's the sequel, two thousand four remake. I was worried that that would hundred minutes. I was worried that that was going to take us to the page for remakes because only the word remake was a <laughs> hundred minutes. So that's that is an improvement even without me having seen the movie. <laughs> um. But say what you will about Snack Snyder. Say what you will about Zack Snyder. <laughs> say do, what do you... you think he's a snack? No. Are you sure? Uh, look at his hair. I do not like his hair. It's, I think... He has normal hair. What are you talking about? I think he needs a shave. I think I think this beard. He's been rocking this beard since two thousand four, and I don't think it works for him. Ack Snyder. Acking. Zack Snyder 2022, because that was a picture from six years ago. So let's see. Let's see what he looks like now. How do you like him? 
He's not unattractive, but the hair and the beard just don't work for me. He looks like a video game developer. He looks he looks like He looks like just a man. You know what he looks like? He kind of looks like he could be Mark Wahlberg's cousin. You know how um Nathan Drake is supposed to kind of a little bit look like um uh uh who's his voice actor? Nolan North? Nolan North. You know how Nathan Drake kind of looks like Nolan North on purpose? I, no. Okay. I guess I don't, because I don't think they look the same. They literally, like... They literally, like, sort of... That's the guy from the movie. That's not... They kind of take Nathan Drake's from Nathan Drake's face from Nolan's North North's face. That's a I, thing that Naughty Dog explicitly did. Zack Snyder looks like a guy who would have a video game protagonist modeled after him, but the video game protagonist would be way more attractive. You know what I'm saying? I guess. <laughs> I think Zack Snyder looks kind of like Either <clears throat> see, he's clean shaven in this photo. I think he looks better. He looks like a cool teacher. He looks like a cool teacher. He looks like a cool teacher or a stepdad. Yeah, absolutely. He's just like a normal looking dude. So anyway, say what you will about Zack Snyder. All that because you were complaining about his hair, and I'm like, this is the most normal fucking dude hair I've ever seen in my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> his hairline is barely receding, just a little bit, to let you know that he's probably over fifty. Say what you will about Zack Snyder. Say what you will about his movies. Say what you will about his mid-2000s movies. Because you and I recently watched um, uh, uh, 300, which is a movie he did after this Dawn of the Dead remake. And that movie's dog shit. That movie Look, fucking sucks. Zack is a, is a land of contrast. But, but all that, all these like criticisms that one could level at Zack Snyder... He makes movies that are very pointedly about things. He has always been making movies. He is the ideology of a shotgun. Yes. <laughs> and I think I think the Zack Snyder ideology would work better for me, even if you ended up at a more conservative yeah, movie. Yeah, I assume that it would be. Yeah, even if you ended up at a more conservative movie, I think it would be more compelling than this movie's sort of like... Stephen Kingy, like and, supposedly and liberal politics that are actually kind of conservative. I, I actually would would if I didn't know that Zack Snyder had made a remake of this movie, I would want him to because yeah. I think he he has a particular um, affinity for and ability to take seriously some sort of. Uh, fictional elements like superheroes like you know zombies mm -hmm. that i would be interested because i think that he believably um gives the impression that what he's making and what he's like helping to make is like uh something he's interested in yeah and he's like engaging with the source material mm -hmm. and like actually doing the thing yeah in a way that would make that compelling to me even if i didn't know for years that he had done this movie yeah also I, so i have not seen this movie since it was relatively new i probably saw this movie around the time that Zack snyder's watchmen came out so it's been a while important to know 
I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I did not like the cast of Dawn of the Dead. The remake has Ving Rhames in the Peter role, and Ving Rhames is fucking electric. I love Ving Rhames. I don't remember if he gives a good performance in this remake, but I love Ving Rhames, and so I'm kind of like, oh, there's like a hook for me right there. The two guys we like from this movie are in that remake. Yeah. Uh, the guy who played Peter is a televangelist, and the guy who played Roger is, quote, the general. Huh. So, that'll be interesting. I don't I don't remember how they show up. I don't remember tele... I, like I say, it's been more than ten years, so... But, uh... Yeah, we didn't keep much care for this one. So far, number one, Night of the Living Dead. Number two, Dawn of the Dead. I'm really looking forward to Day of the Dead. So I know that the 2000s movies, I'm prepared for the 2000s movies to be bad. In some way. But I have heard nothing but good things about Day of the Dead since we put out that last podcast. I've been assured Day of the Dead pretty good. Um, and so I'm looking forward to this next movie. That You know, Dawn of the Dead is not so bad that it has like totally foreclosed the idea of a good George Romero movie in my heart. I'm like, okay, maybe the next one will work for me better, you know? Maybe I'll like it. But this movie just totally did not. This movie just 100% fell flat for me. I I would like to like the next one more. That would be nice. Yeah. And then we can get into the 2000s stuff, and we can just have fun with that being bad, or whatever it is. Do you have any idea why he came back? No, no. I should do, I want to do a little, little... There's a lot of, like, context I provided for the first two movies that I sort of, like, ambiently knew and, like, brushed up on Wikipedia for. I don't know a fucking thing about those 2000s movies, so I will definitely, at the very least, I will read the Wikipedia pages and maybe a couple articles, maybe, um, and try to provide some context for why those 2000s movies exist when we get there. I don't know why this... I remember in the Creepshow episode of Just King Things... Or the Just King Things bonus odes. I remember they touch on something about the production of Day of the Dead because Creepshow is a movie that Romero does between Dawn and Day. So I will re-listen to that bonus ode and see if I can uh, dig up any any facts about Day of the Dead. Because, um, like, Land of the Dead is 20 years after Day of the Dead. And then they come out in, like, rapid succession. It's yeah. Land of the Dead, two years later, Diary of the Dead, two years later, Survival. And so, like, what compelled him to come back? I have no idea. I would... I, I mean, should... part of it might be, like, oh, zombies are getting popular. Yeah, two, so 2005, <laughs> Land of the Dead. 2004, Shaun of the Dead. And yeah. Shaun of the Dead is not the start of the zombie craze. Shaun of the Dead, I feel like, is, like... What's the... When did 28 Days Later come out? Sorry. I, I don't know. You took the mouse? I didn't realize I was taking the mouse until it was too late. Uh, to answer your question, I want to say 2006. I want to say 2003. 2002. 2002. Okay. So, yeah. I, I could be mistaken, but I feel like 28 Days Later is when zombies started to get really popular in the 2000s. I could I be I that, could be mistaken about that. I guess that would make sense. It it might not be a one thing though. Oh yeah, clearly 
the Zack Snyder uh, Dawn of the Dead would be in production around that time. Yeah, totally. And and like I say, like Shaun of the Dead in 2004 is half a reaction to, oh, zombies are really popular right now, and half like homage to this this movie, you know? But, like, zombie stuff persisted through, like... The 80s and 90s, for 2015. Sure. Yeah. In this revival version. Yeah. Like, The Walking Dead doesn't start until, like... 2010. We talked about this last time. Yeah. Like, it didn't just happen in the early 2000s, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, totally. This was, a, this was a staple of internet culture, also. Cracked.com. Do you remember how many articles Crack.com put out about how to survive the zombie apocalypse back in the day? Yeah. I'm going to Google something real quick. I'm just going to... Best zombie movies. Let's just see. Let's see, because it would also be nice if we could get like some release dates here. The 18 best zombie movies ever made in IndieWire. It's the first article that comes up here. Oh. Zombieland in 2009. Is that the... One with... Uh, That's the one with Jesse Eisenberg. And slow down, you're moving so fast. Emma Stone, yes. I uh, love this movie. I, I, I like this fun. movie. I've seen this movie a couple times. This movie was a staple of my like teen years. Um, I think of this movie very much hand-in-hand hand with Left for Dead. Yeah, sure. I think of this as the film adaptation of Left for Dead. <laughs> Next up we have Snyder Dawn. Yeah. And then we have Little Monsters. 2019 movie that I'm not familiar with. Then we have Paranorman. That is a zombie movie. 2012. I like that movie. The Girl with All the Gifts. I've never heard of this movie. 2016, sure. Night of the Living That's Dead. That's guy right there. 1968. Uh, not having Night of the Living Dead at number one is fucking coward shit. <laughs> Last Man on Earth, 1964. Oh, yeah. We should watch this one of these days. Maybe not for this podcast. We should just watch that. Ojuju, 2014. Also I, never heard of this. Um, I don't know if that takes place in Nigeria or if it is produced in Nigeria from this. It, it takes place in Nigeria. Maybe both, but... Okay. For all I know. Yeah. Um, 28 Days Later, 2002. You oh! Know, you know that guy. Oh! Um, um, Scarecrow. What's his fucking face? What's his name? I know it. Do you know it? Killian Hayes. Killian Murphy. Murphy. Killian Murphy. Is Killian Hayes a guy? <clears throat> I don't know. Killian Darkwater's a guy. Yeah, sure. From Fallout. From Fallout 2. Yeah. From Fallout. Oh, from Fallout? Yeah, from you're Fallout. right. You're right. Uh, next up we have Cemetery Man. 1994. Uh, it appears to be a guy about to kiss a zombie. Good for him. <clears throat> Train to Busan, 2016. I've heard great things about this movie. Shaun of the Dead at number seven on this list. Putting this movie ahead of Night of the Living Dead? Fucking coward shit. I, I like Shaun of the Dead fine. I don't want to ever revisit it because I bet it doesn't hold up, but I like this movie I, fine. I remember thinking that the ending was a little pat. Yes. I loved this movie with my whole entire heart at a point in my life. I bet it doesn't hold up, but that's fine. Zombie, Lucio Fulci, 1979. This is an Italian movie. Um, uh, next up we have Wreck. Oh, God, yeah. I haven't seen Wreck. I just forgot that this is a zombie thing. This is a... Um, is French? this a... French? 
Spanish. This is a Spanish movie. I don't remember if this is an anthology movie or if I'm thinking of VHS. Uh, it seems you're thinking would be thinking of VHS. Uh, yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Rabid. Cronenberg, nineteen seventy-seven. Never heard of this. Yeah, I'm. I I I know Cronenberg movies, but I don't know them like that. Reanimator number three, Stuart Gordon, nineteen eighty-five. That's a fucking movie. <laughs> that movie kicks the shit out of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> what do you think number two and number one are going to be? Uh, Day so number Day. one, Dawn of the Dead. Number two, Day of the Dead. I feel like we're missing something. We we're probably missing some title in the genre. We're probably going to see what number two is and be like, how did I forget? It will be like World War Z. <laughs> War Number Z is two not. is I Walked with a Zombie, nineteen forty-three. Okay, well, yeah, well, okay. I've never heard of this. And number one, Dawn of the Dead. Okay, well, at least we didn't. At least there's no egg on our face about forgetting. You know, that one beloved zombie weeks movie. later. Yeah, twenty-eight <laughs> weeks later. Uh, 30 Days of Night. That's vampires. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it sounds like we're just about done here. Unless you want to go through the 50 best movies of all time from Pace Magazine. Um, I would, except I need to use the restroom. So we, if you want me to take a restroom break... I just want you to tell me, yes or no, is Dawn of the Dead number one on this list? Yes. Unless that... You no, know, this is Pace, so it's going to be Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead, number one. Return of the Living Dead is number two. Reanimator is number three. So Reanimator should be number two. Night of the Living Dead should be number one. Day of the Dead, number five here. Evil Dead. Not- Evil Dead didn't show up on your fucking 18 <laughs> best. Evil Dead, better than m- most movies. I never finished Evil Dead. Oh, man. Are there even zombies in Evil Dead, or is that just an Evil Dead 2 thing? No, there's zombies in the first movie. I th- There was a tree... That's as far as I got. Oh, man. Yeah. You gotta watch Evil Dead. That movie's fucking good. Uh, Evil Dead 2, fucking good. <laughs> Evil Dead 3, I don't know. He got Monty Python for me. Got so... Monty Python. I mean, all three of them did, so... The third movie is the worst about it, though. The third movie... But if you, if you spend a lot of time on the internet coming up watching someone like Red Letter Media, for example... Uh-huh. Uh, you heard and, this is my and, boomstick many times and you haven't seen evil dead you still kind of feel like you've seen a little bit of evil dead yeah because uh jay is a huge evil dead fan <laughs> that's the end of our podcast <clears throat> do you want to do some plugs yeah um i'll do my plugs and i'm gonna step out um you can find me on Twitter at Autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at Autumnal. And you can go to exportodd.io to support this podcast and all the stuff that we do. Um, I will let you do the full Patreon plug. Uh, well, you might notice that this podcast came out two weeks after the last one. Mm-hmm. That's because you're in the free feed. If you're a patron at exportodd.io, you would have gotten this episode last week. The episodes are weekly from now on, but you wouldn't have had that gap if you had uh, paid us money, which you should do. You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora or on co-host at Ashworm, Ash with an E, Worm with a Y. Uh, find stuff I've done at NoraBlake.online. 
Next time, we will be watching Day of the Dead, which is from a different year. It is from 1985, which is another seven years after the release of this film, which was, of course, a decade after the last one. So, <clears throat> that one's going to be a little different. Uh, we've been here the whole time! Let's have a sign-off.